Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up? So today, we will be getting into the second best player on every team in the NBA and how they compare to the Mavericks' second best player. And we'll be tearing them off and comparing list. But before we do that, let's go ahead and get into some little league news from around the last couple of days. We haven't really touched on anything because there hasn't really been anything. It's completely dry. Um, we said this a few times now, but I wouldn't even really say this is like the dog days of the NBA offseason. This is just like the tumbleweed, like one saloon every 20 million miles days of the NBA offseason at this point. Um, but we did have some news drop, kind of like two separate news drops today. Um, Sham Sarania and then Joe Side, Nets owner, came out on Twitter and reported some own, uh some own personal news with the Nets. So Sean Sharania uh, first off said earlier today that Kevin Durant um, had a meeting with Nets owner Joe, uh, Joseph Sy, in which he reiterated his trade request. And he basically stated that if the Nets wanted to keep Kevin Durant, that they would need to pick between Kevin Durant and Sean Marks and Steve Nash. And then later in the day, Joe Sy tweeted on Twitter saying that he will not do anything at the jeopardy of the front office or the coaching staff and that they have his full support going forward. Jaron, what are your thoughts on these uh, two bits of news and sort of the uh, player empowerment that Kevin Durant's kind of inflicting here? No. Yeah. To me, I don't know. Like, I think it's a, a uh, discussion. I feel like the league has been waiting for. I think this has been something that every owner in the NBA knew was going to happen at some point, And it's just been kind of waiting to make the moves, to take the the fireworks, take the look at the trades, what they can send and stuff. I think they've been waiting for this news to come out. Um, you know, to me, like I'm not surprised the Nets took, I guess, took the coaching staff and took general manager. I, I'm not surprised they took that side of things. Um, I, I just feel like they they for sure lose leverage now. Like that's the thing that surprises me. Yeah, I think they lose a little bit of leverage, but at the end of the day, they still do have Kevin Durant, which is, you know, if they're going to be, if they're going to keep awaiting for a package, somebody's going to cave and send them something huge eventually. Eventually, if they keep, you know, constantly turning down um, trades that they don't deem fit. Um, but in terms of like player empowerment and everything, I think this is very interesting. I've, I see a lot of people that are like hard on either side of the totem pole on this. I kind of uh, dwell somewhere in the middle. I think player empowerment like in itself is like, it's not inherently bad or anything. Like I think players no, need no, to no. have a voice. I think that they, you know, need to be compensated fairly. Like these are, you know, things that were lacking before this new CBA came into effect in 2011. So I don't necessarily agree with the, um, agree with the standpoint that player empowerment and like players, you know, requesting movement and trades is, you know, all a bad thing. I just think that, you know, there is like a sort of line drawn in the sand where it's like, you know, okay, like at this point, 
you know, you're asking for too much. If you're asking for a organization to, you know, completely turn the table on everything that they've built upon in terms of their, the structure of their front office and coaching staff, like, you know, at that point, like, yeah, you're, you're going to get dealt. Like that's, there's no sort of um, discussion in terms of if that's like a valid argument for Kevin Durant to have, like, I mean, unless the Nets, you know, he doesn't have that sort of leverage, even as good as he is, as it appears. Um, but I, I think there is sort of this equal medium where it's like, you know, like a lot, of, I've seen a lot of people dismiss this on Twitter and be like, oh, KD is like stupid. Like he shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't have these demands, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think it's almost maybe just a leverage play for KD to, you know, make sure that he gets what he wants, which I understand. And, you know, I think there should be some uh, editations in the CBA just in, in terms of player movement, you know, maybe making it a little more difficult for guys to just will their way out of situations, you know, like one year into their contract and things of that nature. But that's not the, you know, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with like their financial compensation. I still think that players should be earning, earning, um, you know, majority of the salary and, you know, they're starting to get compensated more and more fairly as the uh, TV revenue goes up and the um, salary cap goes up. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of good stuff um, going on there. And I, you know, I think the NBA does a really good job of encouraging its players to um, let their voice be heard and things of that nature. I just think that, you know, um, there is like a sort of line drawn where, you know, a player may be asking too much. And in this instance, I kind of feel that way. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah, but without further ado, a little bit of a longer intro there. We just wanted to hash out some general league news. It's really all that's come out the last couple of days. Besides that, it's just a bunch of NBA players playing in pro am games and DeJounte oh, Murray. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was like DeJounte Murray and yeah, uh, just oh embarrassing God. Paolo Vancaro, which is really <laughs> funny. They had a little bit of a uh, Twitter. Um, disagreement so you know that's a southeast division rivalry right there with the good old magic and hawks so that'll be fun to see them uh, face off in the regular season even though the magic are probably going to get crushed but without further ado here is an ad from our sponsor anchor all right jaron so getting into it we have these listed in between tiers here um i have five tiers on my list in terms of the second best players on every nba team i have them split up into five tiers what about you I have six, so basically the same. Oh, no, I actually have six. I, I missed that. Okay, okay. okay, no, I actually do have six. All right, so um, we're going to be splitting these up accordingly by every NBA team, and at the end, we'll kind of look at how Spencer Dinwiddie um, – uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, we both agree, is the Mavs' second-best player right now. Now, we may get into a discussion on how Christian Wood could enter that conversation if he – plays up to his potential he could elevate the maverick standing in this list but as currently stands we're going to be using spencer dinwiddie as maverick second best players we both kind of um iterated in our pod when we did the uh our podcast about the maverick second and third best player we both agreed upon dinwiddie so for all intents and purposes we'll be using him in this podcast so in your first tier who do you have for the second best players yeah okay on their respective uh let's clarify our lists are different uh like i think we might have one different player i think um yeah yeah one or two different players but uh like some of our tier placements are a little different um but yeah so tier one anthony davis and i have paul george yes i agree 
Um, I was a little hesitant with AD at first, just given the health concerns. I was like, you know, because if he's playing like he was last year, especially how he started the season off, like, yeah, he's definitely a tier or two down. But if we're we're going to be doing this based off projections for the 2022-2023 season. So if we're projecting and AD comes in fully healthy, I'd put him there. And I'd, yeah, you know, the only reason I get Paul George that nod as well is because, you know, he was an MVP candidate two years ago. And he honestly had a really good season when he wasn't hurt for the Clippers this last year, um, especially with Kawhi. He definitely showed to me that, you know, he wasn't just giving up on the franchise or anything because of one um, hard-pressed year. Oh, yeah. Like Paul George – uh, he was one of those guys. He didn't play a full season for the Clippers, but I think next year, uh, I think this team, this Clippers team, I think they're going to be very much healthy. He's by far, I think, the second best player on that team. And I think he could play close to 70 games next year. I, I think, like I said, like I think this team is going to be fully healthy pretty much the whole entire year. Uh, and I just don't see any reason why he wouldn't be tier one. Yeah, you can't really project injuries, but yeah, you can't. Yeah, but you know, you if he doesn't have any major injury, I think that that would be a steady prediction um, for how many games he's going to play, which would definitely bode well for that Clippers roster with a fully healthy Kawhi. They will be dangerous. We have talked about that countless times. Um, I did debate a little bit about the next guy, my first guy in tier two, because of the run his team made and how big of a contributor at times he was and him even looking better than I guess what most would agree is the first best player on his team, especially in the finals. But yeah, starting off in my tier two, I have Jalen Brown. Um, there was a little hesitancy. I considered putting him in tier one for a second, but I just don't know if he's really took that step on a consistent level yet for me to put him there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then I have Bam Adebayo, Kyrie Irving as the Nets roster is currently constructed. Um, we're obviously going off the rosters of all these teams at August um, on August 9th, 2022. So, you know, obviously with the Kevin Durant news and um, the Donovan Mitchell saga unfolding, like all this could definitely change, but, you know, based on these current rosters, I went Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine. Um, I put Drew Holiday in there. I picked him over Chris Middleton. I believe me and Jaron did have a difference there. We do. Um, I just think Drew, you know, is such an important cog for that Milwaukee team and his playmaking along with his shooting, you know, it's just that is another dynamic that I think Chris Middleton doesn't really have, even if he's got more all-star nods. And then I um, I picked Cat over Anthony Edwards. I really am a big believer in Anthony Edwards' um, ascension. He's took a big step last year, but he just seems like he's developing really steadily and his athleticism is – off the charge and you know he's just getting better at playmaking and shooting year by year and he's I mean, he's only 21 i mean just as jason tatum is only 17 but you know still uh i uh i really like what i'm seeing from him and if we're projecting i honestly think he could be better than cat you know that might be a stretch for some people but i i earnestly do believe that and i think this next guy clay thompson is also going to be in my tier two because, you know, while he was a little injury riddled last season, I still think that, you know, he has another year or two left of being sort of that prime clay that we've seen in the past. And I think if he is that, he's definitely the second best player on the Warriors and, you know, just the epitome of a three and D wing. So who do you have for your tier two, Darren? Yeah. So I guess I'll start out like this isn't listed from 
best to worst in tier two. I just kind of threw guys in there and called it tier two. Yeah, that's what I did for this whole list. So <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like rank like the specific guys in every tier. So no, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess starting out tier two, like like what you said, uh, Jalen Brown. I think he's definitely a guy that could make the jump to tier one. And uh, you know, there's an argument to be made that maybe maybe he is the number one guy. I just don't see it on a consistency level. Um, you know, these tier one guys, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Anthony Davis made all 75 team. And I'm not sure about Paul George. I don't think he did. Um, but yeah, Anthony, what? (laughs) Yeah. I really don't know if he made it or not. Yeah. I don't think he did. Um, but like Anthony Davis, he made all NBA 75. Um, he like just that automatically, I feel like makes him a second tier guy. Uh, especially he's coming in healthy. Um, and then Paul George, I mean, that's a guy who you can make an argument for all defensive first team any year. Uh, it, you know, throwing Jalen Brown in that kind of category, it just comes down to, con- to consistency for me, which I think he could possibly make that jump this year. Um, but I guess rounding out my tier two, I put Chris Middleton. I think DeJounte Murray makes a huge jump this year. I think he's going to be by far uh, – much more productive in Atlanta. He's going to find a, a good role behind Trey Young. Um, but Chris, Chris Middleton, DeJounte Murray, Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns, same argument that you made with Anthony Edwards and then Jalen Brown. Yeah, no, I really like that. Um, you're definitely making me think a little bit on the DeJounte Murray thing. I really like him. Um, you know, based on last season, I guess sort of revisionist history, I might even put him – you know, in that tier two um, instead of like Clay, for instance. But, you know, I, I just think he has a little bit more to prove for me because that last season was really his only, you know, all-star level season. He was really good before that, but that was like the biggest leap he's took so far. Yeah. So that's yeah. my only hesitancy in putting him in that tier two category. Um, but, yeah, besides that, I that definitely um, don't really have too much rebuttals to um, the guys you have and I don't. Yeah, so I guess moving on to tier three. Um, trying to look here if any guys really I mean, I think the biggest guy here that maybe makes it jump to tier two, really just because we haven't seen him enough, Zion Williamson, uh or Williams, like we just I we just haven't seen enough of him to call him tier two quite yet. But I think even, you know, not even playing the season last year, I think you can already put him into tier three. Like, I put Zion, uh, I think Jaron Jackson and Bam Adebayo are pretty self-explanatory. I thought you had Zach Bam Levine. Adebayo in your – you put – I thought you had Bam Adebayo in your tier two. No, I had him in tier three. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, like, I mean, I think Zion and Bam, uh, like, really, that might be it. I think you can make arguments for tier two, but I, I just – I think more comfortable. I think it's a safe bet tier three. Um, but yeah, so Zion, Jaron Jackson, Bam Adebayo, uh, Zach Levine, Miles Turner is kind of iffy. You could kind of throw him at the tier four. Um, I, I just think that he makes, you know, if he plays next year, uh, I think he plays pretty good. Jamal Murray, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and James Harden. That's very interesting. Um, I took definitely a I have a very different tier three than you. I put DeJounte Murray in there, you know, for the reasons I listed earlier. Um, James Harden, you know, James Harden's obviously a guy that has been a tier one player for 
God knows how long. I just think, you know, he's took a little bit of a step back, but he, I could definitely see him as a guy elevating back to tier two if he yeah. kindles any sort of his um, play before he got to Brooklyn. Um, I then have Chris Paul, Jamal Murray. I am a big Zion believer in his talent. Um, I honestly think if he's fully healthy, if he's fully healthy, which he seems to be coming into training camp like, I think he's easily far and away the best player on the Pelicans. Um, so I put ba- uh, Brandon Ingram like definitively in tier three, but he's definitely a guy that has a case to be up in tier two um, when he's playing like he is on a consistent basis. I mean, six nine, long rangey wing who can defend yeah. multiple positions and you know shot create. I mean, they got a lot there. The Pelicans are going to be really scary, and a guy that I think is going to take a huge leap this year. My last guy in tier three. Um, I put Evan Mobley. I think okay. it's the sort of game that he projects. Um, you know, the defensive versatility he has on um, multiple fronts, being able to kind of defend like three through five. Um, and his like sort of like passing and playmaking that he has is like really scary, along with his just insane athleticism, um, you know, given his size and length. So I, um, I really think he's going to take a huge leap. So I put him in tier three as well. Uh, no, I like that. Yeah. I like Evan Mobley. He's in my tier four. Um, but no, I like that list. Uh, I think like from here on out, like tier four, tier five, whatever. Uh, like these are guys, you know, that are on the fringe of that tier three. And then there's some that, you know, definitely tier four, tier five. I just think that this is more of like a judgment call of what are they going to do next year? Uh, yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, it could get a little cloudy. Like, uh, like these tiers might be, you know, completely wrong, but, you know, we don't know. This is just judgment. But yeah, I guess starting out my tier four. So for my second best player for the Warriors, I put Draymond Green. And the reason why, I think that the, you can make an argument for Jordan Poole. Um, I just think, I mean, I think Draymond Green's your second best player. He runs, you know, of course you have Steph, but Draymond Green just runs the floor so well. He's such a anchor for really the defense and offense. We saw the team excel whenever he was on the floor. And it seemed kind of like, and of course, you know, this this is just chemistry, you know, now they have an off season, of course. But it seemed whenever Clay kind of got in last year, it, it just looked a little blocky. Um, it looked like they were just kind of forcing it to clay. And so that's kind of my reasoning for Draymond Green. But again, like I said, you know, you can make an argument for any of those three guys, Jordan Poole, uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Um, but I went ahead and threw Chris Paul, Draymond Green, uh, Jeremy Grant, Scotty Barnes, and Evan Mobley in my tier four. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, my tier four. Um, I think from here on out for my list, at least, a lot of these guys, like you said, are going to be more guys who uh, some of them could like really project higher. They're younger guys who really just kind of depends on how good and how big of a leap they take this season. And then a lot of these guys, I think, are kind of ingrained in this like tier four, tier five area just based on um, how they've played recently. I have Scotty Barnes, Jeremy Grant, Jalen Brunson, Miles Turner, De'Aaron Fox. I think Sabonis personally is the best player on the Sacramento Kings at the moment, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, that, like that's respectable. I like that list. You know, 
and like like a Sabonis, Darren Fox, like that's just more preference of uh, where do we think the offense is going in that sense? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not like the Kings have anything to lose. Like, I mean, maybe they do. Like, maybe some Kings fans are, you know, pining for the playoffs. Which, I mean, you know, I guess that's the hope. What's the sort of like off season moves they've made to acquire some like veteran talent to surround those two guys? But I don't know. I just don't think it's a there's just no like one A player with those two guys for exactly. the Kings yeah. to really, like be able to make a big push or anything. But you know, if everything goes right and um Deer and Fox is able to summon some of the production uh production that he had, you know, two, three years ago, um, then yeah, like, you know, I th- I think that'd bode well for the Kings. But, you know, I think in the current construct of the way they're running their offense, especially with De'Aaron Fox, how bad he's been shooting recently. Like, I feel like a lot of it's going to be ran through Sabonis. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, and, I mean, an argument to be made is how much of that is, I guess, just really guys throwing their weight all on uh, De'Aaron Fox. Like, I mean, for the longest time, he was their guy. Uh, And really up until they made that Sabonis trade, I mean, like the Sabonis trade is questionable and as is, but, like, Sabonis definitely took a weight off De'Aaron Fox. I just think you can contribute the bad numbers to him really being the only guy on that team that could score at the time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair enough. I mean, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is on the same sort of pedestal as like, you know, a lot of these like 1A players who can like definitively, you know, create for themselves on a consistent basis, have insanely high re, uh, usage rates and, you know, still only be shooting like 45% from the field, like not having like egregiously bad field goal percentages I just don't know if like I think he needs like you said um maybe not from like the conditioning standpoint but just from the sort of load that he's carrying um he needs a little bit of that minimized and I just don't think he's the type of guy that can handle that on a night-to-night basis um could he be yeah. a guy who knows but I just don't really view him like that at the moment uh do you want to go ahead and get into your tier five yeah so with tier five I kind of threw in you know some of the younger guys uh some of the rookies we haven't seen yet so I threw Jay Nivey in there. I'm really, really high on Jay Nivey. I think what he can do on this Detroit Pistons roster as is right now, I think he can do some really good things. Uh, and I, I don't think he's quite as good as Cade Cunningham, of course. Um, so that's why I t- threw him in that second best player. But I think he's a good tier five as a rookie. And then our boy, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I, I think, you know, I think if Spencer reaches its high, his height, I think you could argue tier four. I just don't see him elevating as high as names like Chris Paul or Jeremy Grant, Scotty Barnes. Like, I think, I think those are definitive number two guys on their team. And Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy, like if you make a trade, I mean, even Christian Wood, like you can make an argument for number two. Um, And that's why I just don't feel comfortable right now throwing him in that tier four. Now with his off off season progression, and what we've seen out of his camp and, you know, how he's been working out and rehabbing and everything. Like uh, there's some arguments to be made for tier four. Uh, It looks like he's really been grinding, but I I just think right now tier five feels, feels comfortable with me. So I threw him there at uh, tier five. I know maybe some other fans won't agree with that. I just think that's realistic in my opinion. Uh, And then behind him, I threw Terry Rozier, Julius Randle, uh, and then Chet Holmgren, and the one and only Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, yes, of course. 
Um, for my tier five, I have Terry Rozier. Um, you know, obviously, mild Miles Bridges is um, kind of yeah. through some uh, rough allegations at the moment, and I don't really necessarily know if he's going to be in the NBA next year. Um, you know, I, I really won't comment on that situation at the moment, but I'll say as much that uh, me and Jaron both agreed to not include him in this list for uh, reasons of that nature. So obvious. Uh, yes. Obvious reasons. So, <laughs> um, I put Terry Rozier in here, uh, Chet Holmgren, uh, Chris Haps-Porzingis, Spencer Dinwiddie as well. And I put Bojan Bogdanovich in here. As I, I, I you know, I, I kind of switched um, Bojan and, you know, it's kind of a little between him and Jay Nivey, but, you know, I kind of just decided that I think I want Jay Nivey to be able to prove to me a little bit more you know, his okay. tier five status before I elevate him into that. And, you know, despite Bojan's age, I think he's still a really good contributing role player. Um, and, you know, I value the consistency he's brought, and I still think he has another couple good years in him. Yeah, no, I respect that. Like, Bojan, for me, I just think, me personally, like, I, I think he just fits much better on a team where he's the three or four guy. He's he's a starter, without a doubt. Yes. Um, but I, I just – I don't like, and I mean, there's an argument to be made, you know, Jordan Clarkson and everything. It's just that jazz team is just so hard to judge because there's eight guys on that team that they could trade away by tomorrow. Like you just exactly, don't exactly. No, hundred percent. That's, that's honestly the best summation of the sort of parts that the jazz have right now. Um, and yes, for my last year, like I said, I guess it's kind of implied. I have Jaden Ivy, Franz Wagner, Kevin Porter Jr. and Yaka Pertle. Yeah, we have pretty similar list. I threw Yaka Pertle, Franz Wagner, Kevin Porter, and then I threw Boyan in that tier six. Yeah, so I feel like that tier six is pretty self-explanatory. You know, obviously we, we both flipped Jay Nivey and Boyan. But I mean, outside of that, um, unless Franz really takes a step, I think Kevin Porter Jr. and Yaka Pertle are kind of essentially locks there. You know, I was kind of like going through the Spurs roster. I was like, man, do they have another guy? You know, Josh Primo, any of their young guys? But, I mean, really, no. Like, as currently stands, like, Yaka Pirtle's probably the second best player on that team, which, you know, I think we'd probably both agree he's probably the last guy, like probably the worst guy on this whole list. Um, yeah. Which is kind of sad, but, um, you know, hey, good for him for – I guess getting that sort of status in the NBA, you know, he made he, the list. He made the list. He did indeed make the list. Um, <laughs> so, you know, after having completed that least uh, list, let's go ahead and take a look at like a Mavericks angle from this. It kind of like what you can take from this list. So, you know, seeing all, you know, we both had Spencer Dinwiddie ranked, you know, in tier five and we're pretty confident in our decisions there. Does this increase you know, seeing like, I guess just a visual of this, this has increased like your sort of request or want for, I guess, just another star player on the Mavericks. Does it go just like, you know, the absolute like gaping hole that they have there? Or do you think this really isn't like that big of a deal if they're able to like surround the right rotational players around Luca? So, I, okay. I think that there's two angles that you can take from this. I think if you are looking to get, you know, a guy that maybe from tier two, tier tier three, that that's kind of out of the reach, especially for this off season, you know, maybe trade deadline, maybe next off season, you can kind of look at those guys and scour and, you know, maybe make a trade then. 
I just think right now for this 22-23 season, I think Tier 5, Spencer Dinwiddie, that's not a bad place to be. Now, I think that there's moves that you can make around the team, you know, get better role players, a.k.a. third ball handler, uh, that, that are going to elevate this team. Just bottom line is, like, you know, you see second best player for the Mavericks, and that, that's a team that, you know, is a for sure playoff team, I feel like. And you you see Tier 5 as their second best player. Like, you're like, ooh, like, I don't know about that one. But bottom line is, like, we have Luka Doncic. So you shouldn't be too worried. Yeah, he's uh, tier one that. of the he's tier one of the best players on the team. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I definitely get what you're saying there, but um, I guess here's a interesting question. I guess I'd post to you um, from the argument you just made. Do you think the Mavericks can win a championship without any of these guys in tier two or three? Tier three. Without, without, uh, you know, if they don't get that, like, you know, second best player who's clearly at least in like that tier three category so like let's look at history it, like when was the last nba team that made that won i guess an nba championship without a tier three second best player like i i can't really think of a team that had that you know I mean the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> like that really like that might be the last team. But then even, even then, I mean, I feel like Tyson Chandler that year was like and Sean Marion were like criminally underrated in terms of like what they meant defensively and things of that nature. So I mean, I guess if you're making an argument, it's probably them. But I like my argument. Their, all, I would say like all their role players, like in that starting five, were like tier four, t- tier five caliber. <laughs> No, exactly. Like, and my argument to that is like, no, I don't think that we can win an NBA championship with Spencer Dinwiddie being our second best guy. Um, because I, quite frankly, I don't think we'll arguably ever see an NBA finals run where you see just one guy. I, I mean, and I, don't, I hate saying one guy, but in the grand scheme of thing, it really was. Um, I, I just, and especially in today's NBA, I don't think we're going to see that. So to answer your argument, no, I don't argument. I don't think we'll win an NBA championship with that second best player. But like I said, I think that there's smaller moves and I think that there's even bigger moves that you can make in the future to try and acquire a second or third tier kind of guy. No, I completely agree. I'd say my one counter to that would be if you can have a roster full of guys that are in the tier four, tier five level, um, like categorically in terms of how good they are, like, you know, on that, um, you know, like at least like a Spencer Dinwiddie level or like even like some of these like tier four guys, if you could have a full roster of those guys next to Luca, you know, I think you have a shot, you know, I think we've seen teams like that before, you know, kind of in a sense, the 2004 Pistons, the 2011 Mavericks, but those teams, you know, just like financially are a lot harder to construct and, you know, you have exactly. to have things hit and work out. And, well, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible, but I just think it's like highly unlikely. Yeah, like, and here's this, like, you know, with Christian Wood, what what do we think he's gonna be? Where where would you throw Christian Wood in there? Like, would you throw him again tier five? I think he's a tier five kind of guy. I, yeah, no, I, don't I, mean, think, I, I think as like I would like currently project him, I'd I'd probably put him in about tier five. You yeah, pretty discuss as to why we put Dinwiddie higher than Christian Wood, just because it's more of a prove it thing for him. But, you know, I think Christian Wood's a guy who, if everything hits right, could be a tier four player. 
Exactly. You know, I, I, I think if every, you know, I think he could be like at least good as Jeremy Grant. Um, think you know Miles Turner, something like that. It's just you know you have to have things go right, and I, I'm not, you know, I guess ready to make that prediction that you know he's going to step in and be that day one. I kind of want to see how he's how he fits and everything, and you know, coming off the bench as of right now, you know, it's a little shaky for me. But but you know, that's our whole kind of argument of what we've been saying this whole offseason is that you know how Christian Woods the ceiling for the Mavericks and Spencer Dinwiddie's the floor. So you know. Like we've been very adamant that Christian Wood could be the second best player on this team. You know, I'm just saying if we had to currently project it right now, it would probably have to be Spencer Dinwiddie. It, it would for sure have to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Like so- I just think that there's certain names that you can take from this Mavericks roster, aka spent uh Christian Wood and Dorian Finney Smith. And I think I think you can make arguments for, you know, throwing him in tier five. Yeah, I, Dor- I mean, I just don't you know, with Dorian, I think he could be in maybe a tier five, tier six, maybe. I, I'd probably put Dorian more in the lines of a tier six. That's not really as much to undermine his importance. But, you know, you look across this list, all these guys are able to create offense for themselves on some sort exactly. of level. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just don't, like, see a lot of, like, three and D guys on this list, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I just, I, you know, it's just, like, more so of, like, a – it just seems like, the, you know, the guys kind of reach this echelon or, you know, they have the play style to be being able to be that go-getter. And that's not to like undermine Dorian's important importance on this team. If we're talking about importance on this team, Dorian might is probably easily the second most important Maverick on the team. But I, you know, I just don't know if he's really on that level um, just, you know, in terms of his overall game as some of these other guys, you know um, that being said, like we said, you know, if Christian Wood uh, takes that step to become, you know, in that tier four, that would drastically help the Mavericks. Does that move the needle? And making them make me think that, you know, they're going to, you know, make a run to the finals or that Christian Wood's going to be able to reach like that tier three, two, tier two status. You know, probably not. But I do think that, you know, he can, you know, marginally, you know, come in, you know, be like a fringe all star type player and really uh, open some eyes for people in terms of how good that can make the Mavericks. You know, and I'm and I'm prefacing that with saying that that's without me. You know, thinking that they'll make any other move as like, you know, I do probably think that they will make another move, but, you know, that would be me, you know, that would be if they made no other moves. And, you know, I still think he could do that for us. If yeah, no. Right. Of course. Yeah. Like I, I, I completely like what you said. I just think back to your argument is uh, can this team win a championship with Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess, being your second guy. I, I don't think you can. I think that there's moves that you can make. Like I said, I think that there's moves that you can make for future success. I just don't think right now, looking at the 22-23 season, I just don't see this team contending. Yeah, uh, I just, you know, even if you, they have to get some young players to hit and Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, things of that nature, to have assets to be able to build up for a trade, uh, that would elevate them into that status. And, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a big thing too. So, and then either that or, you know, being able to sign a free agent outright by getting cap space, making a salary shedding move that would get off some money in the near future, things of that nature. That's going to be the way that the Mavericks are going to be able to, you know, sort of contend or, you know, they sub out um, or, you know, they get Christian Wood takes a leap to tier four. Spencer Dinwiddie takes a leap to tier four. Um, They're able to somehow acquire like a couple more tier four guys via trade. That's the only way I could really possibly see them, you know, 
uh, dwelling into contention. But even then, um, I don't necessarily think that that, you know, is like really guaranteed to even put them there. So, you know, I might be being a little bullish from that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, as currently, um, you know, to answer my own question and, you know, as you said, I really don't see the Mavericks elevating into that uh, championship contention status without acquiring a tier two or tier three player within the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, do you have any other thoughts on this list or, you know, how the Mavericks kind of play into it now? Spencer, how how far Spencer, uh, how far down Spencer Dinwiddie was on this list (laughs) or um, anything with Kevin Durant and his um, recent little saga today? Yeah, like, I don't know. I think this to me, I, the Kevin Durant news, uh, I don't know if this necessarily puts the league on even more hiatus than it already is, or if it maybe starts turning the wheels. Maybe phones are starting to be answered. Uh, I don't know what this outcome is going to be. I just think, I personally think that now the Nets lose a little bit of leverage, and now, you know, Kevin Durant, I feel like, I, I hope I want to see a trade before the season begins just for the Mavs sake. Cause I think that yeah, we can no. jump in on that. I think we all want to see Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant get moved to, um, just from an NBA perspective, just to see things sh- uh, shook up and see how that would all pan out. But yeah, no, I definitely agree that I, I am interested to see if this, you know, yeah. makes uh discussion start to come more steadfast and, um, prominent between the Nets and other teams and them being a little more willing in the package they're able to accept, or if this kind of just, you know, is like, doesn't really matter for them and they're still holding out for that dream package that, you know, vehemently surpasses the Rudy Gobert package, you know, um, cause I mean, Joe Sai values his front office. So, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. leaving, he damn sure wants them to get a good uh, return from it. Um, so, you know, with that being said, Um, We will be back uh, possibly tomorrow, but uh, if not tomorrow, definitely on Thursday. But um, unless you have anything else, Mainstream Mavs signing out. Peace.